And welcome to another Mirror Football podcast. I'm Aaron Flanagan, once again hosting today, alongside two of Mirror Football's finest in uh, Alex Richards and James Whalen. Uh, how are we doing, guys? Not bad, mate, not, not bad. bad. Good stuff. Uh, we're recording uh, today after a, a relatively exciting and from a British, well, I say British, from an English team's point of view, um, a good Champions League week. Uh, the aggregate score for English teams, uh, 18-3. Uh, slightly let down by by Liverpool in there. Um, how did we find the Champions League? It, it, it's good to have it back. I enjoyed it personally. Um, I found some of the games were completely one-sided. Looking at Chelsea, looking at PSG, absolutely hammering Celtic, um, and Man City went to final and did a real job. But some of the games were, you know, Liverpool severe was good. Borussia Dortmund, Spurs, any three one Spurs, but I'm not really sure how. Um, I thought it was some very good games. As well, uh, we say obviously there were a lot, quite a few hammerings, and obviously the six nil, five nil, or four nil. Is the Champions League format maybe a little tired, or is it still right? I know, I know there's going obviously going to be changes next season. Yeah, I said there, there are obviously reports today about um, about four teams from each of the the big countries uh, automatically entering, which may sort of um, <coughs> filter out some of those sides that that did get a thumping. Uh, this week to the likes of, of Carabag and, and the like but um, you know I I defy anyone to turn around and say that this particular game week wasn't entertaining it was brilliant you know goals galore yesterday I think there was 16 goals in the first half we of the game f- 54 goals in 16 games yeah like, so... it's incredible over 3 goals a game and um, yeah you know uh, I personally don't think there's a lot wrong with it fair I'd say one of the most exciting games uh, was last night, and it was uh, Liverpool. Uh, they were unable to hold on for a victory against Sevilla, d- despite largely dominating the game. Um, given the that it should be Liverpool and Sevilla topping that group, was that a must-win game for Liverpool at home? Uh, is is a draw actually a bad result for them? I don't think it's a bad result in the context of the group because you'd still expect that they will go through with Sevilla. And, think, the, and the other game was a draw as well. And the other which game helps was a draw. Them. I think in terms of. Um, what it says about Liverpool from a, a wider standpoint is exactly what we already knew. In their own penalty box, there are mistakes there. They are brilliant through the attacking phase of play and they are perhaps not clinical enough in the final third. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. Very wasteful, I thought, last night. Um, a lot of opportunities to kill that game. Um, you know, I'd, if the penalty goes in, they win, I think. You know, I'd, I'd, if, if Firmino makes it 3-1... I'd, I don't see Sevilla what, back Watching to... the game, it was it was a game where if, if Liverpool had won 4 or 5-1, you wouldn't have really argued with it. No. Um, but then they draw two apiece. Yeah. And it's just... And they could have even lost it in injury time. Uh, Muriel went through yeah, and could, had, a, yeah, had yeah. a very good chance that he put wide near post. I think um, our, our reporter David Maddox said last night in, in his take on the game that it, it just summed up Liverpool in a nutshell. And uh, I think I think I'd absolutely agree with that. Like Alex said, um, you know, the first goal, what Dayan Lovren's doing, sitting down, trying to clear the ball, I have no idea. Um, and you know, and then at the other end, as we say, wasteful in front of goal. Uh, Roy Keane made some comments on the uh, I think it was on ITV's highlight show. Doesn't uh, sound like Roy Keane. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Roy Keane, and he basically said um, Liverpool do all the attacking things, the hard things in football, really, really well, but defensively. Uh, they just don't switch on and they don't do the easy things. And he believes that if Liverpool get through, I would say if, when Liverpool get through the groups, because they, they should get through that group, 
and they face the likes of Real Madrid, Barcelona. Um, I think his quote was something along the lines of, they'll be laughing at Liverpool. Um, is the gulf between Liverpool and the very elite of Europe, think, is it that big? I think the laughing line is a little bit harsh. Um, I do think that when they play these better sides, their ability on the counter-attack is going to be a massive help because they are so fast. Uh, there was a moment last night when they picked up the ball in the uh, right-back in that position and within three passes and about five seconds they were on the edge of the severe box and Emre Chan's putting a uh, good chance just wide. Um, you know, He's right in the, in the respect of that defence gives you chances. The way they play gives you chances. I, I don't think the midfield particularly... Um, protects the defence all that great um, but I think if you get to the last 16 say they finish second I don't think group winners would particularly want to play them I agree with that I, I don't think anyone wants to go to Anfield especially um, I think you know I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here but if they, if they do end up playing a Real Madrid a Barcelona a Paris Saint-Germain in, in a two-legged affair um, then they absolutely must use Anfield to 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 the best of their ability and um, and make make sure they they, they score goals basically that, that's where that's where their strength lies but you know if if you look at that defense um, the the personnel they have back there the front three of Paris Saint Germain for example uh, you know they're going to be licking their lips have Liverpool suffered by not getting the deal for Virgil Van Dijk over the line or I mean are they actually would one quality addition have improved Liverpool would it have improved Liverpool so dramatically he's, he's not going to solve all their problems but he's a definite upgrade on what they've got so yes it would have enhanced the defence um, point I think is uh, Klopp's Dortmund team in 2013 that got to the final very similar to this um, that defence in that team was largely questioned throughout but the attack was so good it masked it I think Liverpool it's a similar situation eventually that defence you would expect will get found out. You know, as you say, PSG, they play against that Liverpool defence, they're licking their lips, they'll expect goals. Cristiano Ronaldo will expect to score goals against that defence. Lionel Messi, you expect teams to score against Liverpool, but they will ask questions of teams as well. Um, there was one slightly positive point for Liverpool last night in the return of Philippe Coutinho. He actually got a real positive reaction from the crowd quite a loud cheer I mean did we expect him to get such a uh, a well received reception given the fact he, he handed in a transfer request only a matter of weeks ago yeah I think so I, 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 I didn't did you not I, I didn't think he'd be getting applauded onto the pitch at all I did just just, just from just from what Liverpool fans have been saying uh, across social media and things um, I, I fully expected it you know, the, well, the thing is um, Coutinho was always I didn't see a situation with Coutinho like you've got at Chelsea now with Diego Costa. You know, Coutinho was always going to come back uh, if he didn't get the move, and you know, I'm fully expecting once he's up to speed to, to be the player he was last season. And Liverpool fans booing him on the pitch isn't going to help anyone. He's there whether whether he likes it or not, whether they like it or not. Um, well, I did. I did actually wonder if Jurgen Klopp would start him because he could have been worried that he would get booed onto the pitch. Simply for that reason well, that he started, I mean, and it's easier it, to mask it. You know, if if that was a concern, then I think that was. I think we. I think we've uh, we've seen that he had no need to worry. Uh, but you know, the the other thing is, can can you really blame the guy for wanting to go and play for Barcelona? And I know it's easy of for me. To, it's easy for me to say that I'm not a Liverpool fan, uh, but 
you know, if you just take a step back for one second and, and take yourself out of that environment of, you know, the, the fervent nature of being a, a football fan and, you know, it's ultimately someone want, wanting to further their career. And I think Liverpool fans would probably understand the, that. The thing with the, any young South American is they don't dream of playing for Liverpool. Yeah. They don't dream of playing for Manchester City or Arsenal. They dream of playing for Real Madrid or Barcelona. It's those two. That's it. That's the dream. That's the pinnacle for them. So you can understand perfectly him wanting to go there. Uh, Liverpool with Ladbrokes twenty-five to one to win the Champions League. So uh, probably agree that uh, the bookmakers. Tell, well, the bookmakers agree that tells you everything about Liverpool, doesn't it? Twenty-five to one because they've got a good attack, but you worry about the defence. Yeah. Uh, another team at twenty-five to one, uh, probably with the most impressive result this uh, this Champions League week. Um, as far as Premier League teams are concerned, is Tottenham. Uh, Tottenham uh, beat Dortmund 3-1, and a real resilient performance, because obviously they got pulled back a stunner from uh, Yarmolenko uh, for Dortmund, but uh, you know it could, it could have all gone wrong for Spurs, but um, they put in an impressive performance in the end, didn't they? I said that uh, Liverpool-Severe was, a, if you looked at it, it could have easily been 5-1 to Liverpool, and it was that sort of game. This was never a 3-1 Spurs win, I didn't think. Um no doubt about it, their performance was as decent and they had a really good tactical plan that they worked on and they worked out and they made the most of Dortmund's deficiencies whilst hiding their own, effectively. Um, Roman Berkey gave them a huge helping hand with the opening two goals. What Quite what he's doing getting beaten, he's near post both times is beyond me. Um, Dortmund showed what they were much like Liverpool very good attack but you can stifle them as Spurs did uh, a lot weaker defensively than they have been in recent years um, but good result for Spurs very good result I, th- I think I think I'd make a couple of points on it I think firstly a uh, huge moment in the game Pierre, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's goal being ruled out uh, such a bad decision. If you if you've seen a worse decision than that this season, then I'd love to see it. He's I, he's, he's not only a yard on side; he's he's a bare way on side. One one of the commentators on the highlight show said, uh, "Oh, you can tell it's a really tough one for the for the assistant referee." It wasn't even not tough. He, he was about there, there's, there's one back. player that's clearly offside, and yeah. that makes it easier for yeah, the no, linesman it, to see because then there's a flat line of defence. Yeah. Bamiang's behind them. It's a shocking decision. The other point I'd make is that um, in the context of the group, that is actually. A monumental result for Spurs because those two games against Dortmund are going to decide who goes through with Real Madrid. Ultimately, all the all the pressure now. Dortmund at home to Real Madrid next, and Spurs go to Cyprus. You expect Spurs to win and go up to six points. Dortmund have got no room for error. They can't afford to lose to Real Madrid at home and then be six points behind after two games, both for top two spots. Even if they have got to play Applewell third and fourth back to back, they just can't. Uh, Harry Kane got the two goals uh, for Spurs that the one fixture for them. Uh, Harry Kane said uh, that he was giving himself the six Champions League group games to prove that he was world class. Has he done it in just one? He was excellent last night. I thought I thought he was really really good. Held the ball was an absolute nuisance. Worked two centre halves. Took his goals well. Um, his link up play, his hold up play was. Very, very good. He works really well, Christian Eriksen. Um, and Son, who I thought brought a bit of extra pace to the attack. Um, it was an excellent performance. I think, I, I think me, me and uh, myself and Aaron were having this conversation uh, 
off mic about whether he's world class or not. And I think we sort of both agreed that you know he is in that bracket of, of top strikers across Europe. Um, I think he's got to do it at this level more. He has. I mean, I, I, the point I made is that I, I can't think of another player that strikes a ball so cleanly with both feet every time. You know, he when it, he's when he when he's in that situation, he might not always find the back of the net, but he never mishits it. He's all, it's always a very clean he strike. He always works he, a goalkeeper. He gives himself a chance to to score goals, and that that's ultimately all you can ask of a striker. Yeah, I mean, I I, I look forward to seeing him against Real Madrid uh, again when he's against someone like Sergio Ramos, who who will try and kick him, will try and rough him up. And uh, Kane showed last night for me um, his strength, how strong he was in with kind of both yeah. of both of the goals. You know, he, he's a real tough striker to deal with. and um, his, his movement for his second goal was absolutely brilliant as well. It's such such a little thing that he just backed two yards away from play. All the, all the um, Lucas Piszczek, if you watch the replays, he just goes wandering into the centre-half position from right back for apparently no reason whatsoever as Christian Eriksen picks up the ball. And Kane is straight on it. Just backs away two yards into an inside left channel. And Ericsson plays him through and he takes a touch and fi- finishes it. It was such a simple little move, just stepping back away from the play for two yards, but it gave him the space to be found, to take a touch and to get the goal. I think I think that's the side of his game that uh, I think we'd all agree has come on leaps and bounds in the last sort of year or 18 months. It's the intelligence of it. You know, he's, he's, always, he's always been, since he burst onto the scene, he's always been a player that is capable of scoring goals, but now he's, he understands more where he needs to be and to put, to put them chances away. I mean, in just one word, is Harry Kane world class? No. Yes. So he's on his he's on his way, but to me, you you three world class strikers: Robert Lewandowski, Luis Suarez, Sergio Aguero. I don't think he's as good as those three. I think they are the number nine pinnacle, and Cristiano Ronaldo. But he's in a complete yeah. class of his own. Him and Lionel Messi. So. Um, as far as Champions League top goal scorer uh, or golden boot odds go, Harry Kane's at 16 to 1. Uh, only Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi, Edinson Cavani, Robert Lewandowski, and Neymar are actually at a bigger, pr- uh, sorry, a shorter price uh, than Harry Kane. Romelu Lukaku with him on, on 16 to 1. Um, I assume it's probably not a great bet simply because we probably don't expect Tottenham to, yeah, to, to get yeah, far, far enough in the competition. I don't, I don't think we see. I don't see Spurs reaching the last four, which is, you know, I wouldn't be picking a player from outside of a team I expect to get to the semi-finals to win the Golden Boot. So for that reason, I, I wouldn't back him. But that's not to say I don't think he can match. I think, I think Edison Cavani's a decent shot for that because he's they're going to create a hell of a yeah. lot of chances and he's going to take them. But if you're backing against Cristiano Ronaldo, who was odds yeah. on, he was on odds on last night to score two in a Champions League game, that's. Utterly ridiculous. You're a brave man if you're backing against Ronaldo. Just as an aside, uh, John Stones is among the top scorers at the minute. Yeah. I, 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 I don't even want to know what he's on to. Uh, talking Manchester City, um, another brilliant performance from them last night. Uh, are they have they finally, you know, put the piece of the jigsaw together that Pep Guardiola has has wanted to? Is this the year that they can challenge for major European silverware? Uh, I mean, I don't know. They were mighty impressive last night. I don't know how much we can read into a, a win over Feyenoord. Um, you know, away from home, very impressive. Uh, I think before a ball was kicked, um, I think we spoke we spoke a couple of weeks ago on this about um, how how City really should should be challenging, should should be getting to the last stages. And uh, you know, yeah, a, a great message last night to go there, do a really professional job, three 0 up early doors. 
uh, killed the game, and uh, you know they, they've they've gone they've gone on to to sail to victory, and um, now they should come through that group and, and have a favourable time in the last sixteen. Yeah, I mean, there's not many better front two in Europe um, than Sergio Aguero and Gabriel Jesus. Um, quite a surprise that they are still playing together because everyone fully expected he was going to pick one or the other. Um, but it's it's working, isn't it? I think he's now he's realising that rather than playing with just one, that having the two of them is, is a, a massive strength, and he's got to try and fit a side together that will uh, utilise both. Um, he attempted to play three at the back earlier in the season, play with wing backs and have the two. Um, they won at Brighton. They then drew with Everton. I didn't really think it worked, and uh, Jesus got subbed off against Everton. Um, went with the two last night, four at the back, and then. Bernardo Silva made his first start with David Silva as well and Kevin De Bruyne in that midfield and I mean leaves Fernandinho a hell of a lot of defensive work to do but he's really trying to fit them in and the thing with it last night was they took command of that game early they pushed Feyenoord back from the off um, and they didn't let them out and they had Aguero which the big thing with Guardiola and Aguero has been he doesn't think he presses defences really well which is something Jesus does exceptionally. Last night, he was doing that. They were doing it in tandem. They were doing it with Bernardo Silva, helping them. Then with De Bruyne and David Silva both pushing in. And Feyenoord had absolutely no answer to them. I mean, is it? does it as well say that Premier League football is so much better than Dutch football? Um, you know, can we actually judge City on against opposition like that? Um you can because Ajax got to the Europa League final last year um, but you are right in saying the Dutch league is a lot weaker now possibly as weak as it's ever been Dutch football um, which personally I find I think is unfortunate um, but you only have to look at Ajax um, gone from that Europa League final they were knocked out in Champions League qualifying by Nice and then they lost their next Europa League qualifier so they're not even in the group stage of the Europa League this season. Um, and that's a situation Dutch football finds itself in at the moment. Champions League winner odds as it stands. Uh, Real Madrid are favourites to win the competition at 4-1. Their odds haven't moved after the first uh, game week. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain are at 5-1. to one. Uh, That's uh, Their odds have dropped from 7-1 to one on the back of their mauling of Celtic. Uh, Barcelona 6-1, to one. Bayern 7-1, to one. Manchester City... 12 to 1, Manchester United 14 to 1. The biggest movers uh, actually have been Juventus, who were 12 to 1 coming into the first game week. Uh, they're now 20 to 1 on the back of their, uh, I mean, let's be honest, quite disappointing display uh, at Barcelona. I don't think anyone thought Barcelona were going to be that much better than Juventus. No, I, I, I was probably one of the most surprising results, if not the most surprising result of the week. Uh, I thought Barca may get the job done, but. Not quite as emphatically as they did. Um, I think we <clears throat> we all see Juventus as this sort of rock solid uh, defense that that's difficult to breach, and that and um, <coughs> Barcelona had no problems breaching it. All Lionel Messi was on on fire, top form, two great goals, and uh, yeah, Barca took them to cleaners. I think the thing with the Juve defense though is Dani Alves is gone, Benucci's gone, Chiellini was injured, um, so it's all changed there at the moment. Um, I don't worry about Juventus at all. They, I would, they will qualify. Yeah, absolutely. And I they will get a lot better. They are slow starters in in the Champions League. They always get through the group stage, but they never really impress. Um, 
and this is Barcelona. It's Lionel Messi, Messi at his best. So you think you're taking him at 20 to 1 then? I could be tempted. Um, I took him at 16s last year and they got to the final. Um, 20 to 1, yeah. They've got the attack, they've got a decent side. Chiellini, when he's fit, will work into that defence. That defence is going to have the next six months to work together to get better. Um, will it be as solid as last season? No, probably not, because they've lost key players. Um, but they are a very good side, tactically know exactly what they're doing. It's just a bad night for them. OK, well, now we're going to move on to uh, the Premier League uh, that is coming up uh, this weekend. And we're going to dive straight into uh, Super Sunday. And thankfully, as opposed to uh, the last Super Sunday, which we had, which Contractual was... Contractual Obligation Sunday, I think it was called. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it wasn't... One Super Sunday. <laughs> it was just one of the most dire weekends of football <laughs> tell, on tell, TV. Tell everyone how you really feel. Um, I just... Uh, it was, I mean... Sky Sports, you have to do better <laughs> with your TV selection because that was uh, it was not very entertaining. But they have done better this weekend. Uh, Super Sunday consists of Chelsea against Arsenal and then Manchester United against Everton. Uh, we'll start with Chelsea against Arsenal. This is probably the worst possible fixture for Arsenal right now, given everything that's going on and the, and the poor form. I mean, surely they've. I mean, they don't have a chance, do they? Uh, I'd be back in Chelsea, I think, to, to get the job done at home. Uh, Arsenal got a, a big result against Bournemouth. Uh, a very poor Bournemouth side, it has to be said, but um, they really needed that. You know, imagine if they hadn't have won that game. Um, I think uh, so, the, much, the Arsenal... so much wrong with that sentence, isn't it? Arsenal got a big <laughs> yeah, result absolutely. against Bournemouth. <laughs> but I say, imagine, imagine if they hadn't. The Arsenal fan TV boys had had a field day, wouldn't they? But you know, they've uh, they come out and got the win, and uh, you know they can go into that game with a little bit of momentum. But Chelsea, Chelsea look very good. Look irresistible actually at the minute after that disappointing um, defeat on the opening day to Burnley, uh, they, they turned it round and um, you know yes it was only Carabag but they absolutely thrashed them in, in midweek. Looked brilliant. If pretend the Burnley result didn't happen, just imagine it's not there. Everything else Chelsea's done, you've got to say they probably are the most impressive team in the Premier League this season, and they've been superb. Haven't they've, they? st- they've started the season well. Um, even the performance against Burnley wasn't that bad. Yeah, um, the red card, obviously. The red card didn't help. They're playing with ten men. Um, Stephen Ward scores an absolute worldie. Um, Chelsea missed chances in that game. Um, so, yeah, you lose on the opening day. Since then, they won at Spurs, which was a really professional job. Light work of Everton. And then a win at Leicester um, last weekend. They're doing what you would expect Chelsea to do. They're winning games. Uh, the bigger question... You know what you'll get with them on Sunday. The question is, what are you going to get from Arsenal? Yeah. Um, are you getting the Arsenal that turned up in Liverpool and rolled over? Or are you going to get an Arsenal side that has learned from that and will show a little bit of fight? Uh, Arsenal do have Alexis Sanchez back in the mix, though. Obviously, that's a, a massive boost for them. But is his head going to be completely on the game or is his head already out of the door? I, I think, like Coutinho, he will... He'll be okay. I think he he's aware that he's got a World Cup next summer. He's aware that if he has a really good season and he's available on a free transfer, yeah. he can write his own ticket to wherever he goes. Effectively, I think Sanchez um, is slightly different to Coutinho in that you know he, he can see uh, the light at the end of the tunnel. If you like, whatever happens, he's, he's going to be leaving next summer. That's that's a given. Um, 
so yeah, I think I think Alex makes a good point about the World Cup. You know, a player wants to be going into that uh, on the back of a bad season. Although Chile aren't actually guaranteed to be there as as we speak, um, but you know, if, if they do, that that will definitely play into his hands and Arsenal's hands as well. So there's also um, talk of Meza Özil's future uh, at the moment. Uh, Wenger in- insists that talks have not broken down over his new contract, but that's another one who, as it stands, can just walk away from Arsenal next summer. I mean. Will his head be completely right? And you know with Meza Ozil, his head needs to be on it for him to, to, to be able to perform at his best. Um, he's a bit worrying for Arsenal with all this going on, isn't it? Yeah, but it's been it's been worrying for the last um, 12 months or so. You know, it's, it's no real massive change in the situation. Um, Is it not exemplified, though, given the fact that they have started the season quite poorly? Of, co- of course, yeah. Um, it gets mentioned that, that bit more when a side's not winning. Um is it a reason that they're losing? It plays a part in the situation around the entire club, but it's not the be-all and end-all. Um, Ozil and Sanchez are still two of their very best players. So he, Arsene Wenger will use them, and they will both be playing knowing that, hey, I'm playing, if not necessarily for my future at this club, for my future elsewhere. Uh uh, the bookmakers, uh, Labrooks, have uh, Arsenal at sixteen to five to pick up a victory at Stamford Bridge. Uh, Chelsea five to four on um, to secure, I think, what we all unanimously agree will be uh, a home victory. Um, Arsenal's form away from home against the top sides has been shockingly poor for I think two or three years now. It's been since they've won uh, one of them teams. Um, they've not won at Stamford Bridge, you know. In a while either, have they? Am I right in thinking? I can't remember them winning. Probably on Percy scoring a couple about six or seven years ago. <laughs> I remember Azard scoring goal of season contender mm. there last season when yeah. he left Cockerland in his tracks. Yeah. Was it six nil the, the season before, or mm. it might have been the season before that? Yeah. I don't. With the with the wrong red card. Oh yeah, Andre Mariner getting uh, <laughs> getting the two mixed up. But, um, no, uh, definitely going to be very very tough for Arsenal. Uh, the second game on Sunday. Uh, sees the return of first Wayne. game. Chelsea Arsenal's at four, I believe. Is it? I think you might have that well the wrong way around. Possibly. Okay. We'll, 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 we'll Google that. We'll, um, but Manchester. We, you should have googled it before, really. So you <laughs> should have been able to tell me. I'm quite sure that my list is in the right order here. <laughs> but so we're going on to the second game, as I am quite sure that it is. Manchester United. Um, I have have the return of Wayne Rooney uh, to Old Trafford as Everton uh, visit. Um, this weekend um, Wayne Rooney has had a relatively positive start to the season on the pitch I mean we won't talk about what's happened off it but can he prove doubters wrong at Old Trafford on Sunday or will United be too strong for Everton for him to barely get a touch the latter I think Rooney could have a big game I think you know this is the kind of occasion that uh, across his whole career he's thrived upon you know he, he he's going to be desperate to want to go there and and prove to, to prove to a lot of people that he's he's still he's still a top player, and um, you know, you know, if he does find the back of the net, I don't see him whipping his shirt off and sliding on his knees. But I, I think deep down, he'll he'll have a lot of satisfaction, and I think that'll provide a lot of motivation for him to go there and tr- and try and um, try and help Everton Everton to a, a result. Do I think Everton will get a result? No, I think United will win the game. But I expect Rooney to turn up, and uh, I'm and sure I'm sure he'll game. he'll have an impact, but I. Everton were left chasing shadows by Spurs last week. I don't see. I don't see them giving United too many problems. 
are we maybe a little disappointed with Everton and their start to the season, given the amount of investment that there was in the squad? Or are they still in this kind of gelling process? As we're, it stands? we're really impressed when they um, went to Man City and got a draw. Yeah. I thought yeah. they they did really well that night. Um, the Chelsea defeat they offered little until the last twenty minutes or so, when they created a few chances. Um, Spurs last week they were absolutely horrible. Spurs took them to, took them to pieces, and they offered nothing in attack. I think um, Rooney, David Klassen and Sigurdsson were all playing behind Sandro. Sandro's got a bit of pace about him, but none of the other three are particularly quick. So they lack pace when they go forward. Um, and they're quite a slow side, I think. Because Leighton Baines isn't isn't young anymore, he's not a fullback that's bombing to the byline. Seamus Coleman, of course, is injured. Um, he's a big miss in terms of attack and defence getting forward and offering an outlet um, I think United will be too strong I think it'll be like the Chelsea game uh, You mentioned strong obviously the one of the strongest members of their squad is Romelu Lukaku another one playing against his, his former team um, you said earlier you don't think Rooney would celebrate if he scored uh, Lukaku would he celebrate if he scored I'd expect him to yeah, yeah I think so Yeah, especially in front of 70,000 of his own fans I think he's sort of got a bit of a chewy and, care and if Ashley you. Williams plays like he did last weekend he will score Yeah, because Ashley Williams' defending was criminal at times his positioning was awful just just back to Everton I, I, I'm not actually too surprised by the way they start the season I think on paper, it was a very difficult start. Um, they did very well at Manchester City to come away with a point. Could have, could have won that game, but for a superb finish from Raheem Sterling in the last twenty minutes or so. But um, you know, I think Everton are that side this year. They have spent a lot of money, but you look at their squad on paper, and it's it's not, it's not as good as, as Tottenham. It's not as good as Chelsea, or Manchester United. Uh, so I, I don't I don't see them breaking that sort of top they're, four. They're seventh, aren't they? That's Absolutely, it, that's where they, they are. They, they will be better than the mid-table teams. They will win those games more often than not. When they come again, uh, up against the top sides, they'll pick up a point here and there, as they did at Manchester City. Uh, Manchester United, uh, briefly, from what we've seen so far, are they strong enough to win the title, or do we believe that Manchester City, Chelsea are, you know, are, are better than them? I believe Manchester City and Chelsea do have that little bit extra. But they've, what, 10 points from four games? I think they're more than capable of challenging. I think, they're sure. ca- I think they're capable, and I think any deficiencies that those two sides show, you can bet Jose Mourinho will have them yeah. well ready to pounce upon it. Yeah. Uh, as, as far as uh, Ladbrokes are concerned, United are the second favourites, uh, 11 to 4, uh, behind uh, Manchester City, uh, uh, 11 to 10. Uh, Chelsea, uh, who obviously we've talked about as well, uh, 4 to 1 to win the title, which, uh, I mean, to me, strikes me as. Potentially, quite 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 a good bet. Well, Chelsea are going to get better as well. Eden Hazard getting back to full fitness. Um, Alvaro Alvaro Morata, he's taken to things like a duck to water at the moment. I mean, pre- really impressive how quickly he's adapted. Yeah. So yeah, Spurs uh, eleven to one, Liverpool sixteen to one, and then onwards. Arsenal interesting, uh, eleven to eight just to make the top four. So above evens, just to get into the top four. Which, and- which two sides are they going to finish above? You've got, to, that's, yeah. that, you've got to find the two sides that they're going to finish above and I don't see it um, We'll look a bit now down at the bottom end of the table uh, Crystal Palace uh, Heroes of Unsuper Sunday uh, Yeah um, but uh, a new face in the dugout already um, An old face 
yeah, <laughs> an old face, uh, the oldest ever permanent, permanently appointed Premier League manager uh, in history at seventy years old, uh, Roy Hodgson. He's seventy. He's seventy. 70. Yeah. He's seventy. I didn't think he was seventy. He's seventy, 70. and uh, he makes his. I mean, he makes his debut as Crystal Palace manager, uh, home to Southampton, uh, Saturday lunchtime. Um, is Hodgson the right choice for Palace? Because bear in mind they've, they've tried to install this philosophy over the summer. It's not worked, and they backed out of it so quickly. Is Hodgson the man to kind of flip it back on its head and, and play a bit more brutal Premier League football? I, I can see why Steve Parrish has turned to Roy Hodgson in that he did a very good job at Fulham. He did a very good job at West Brom, and Palace are probably in that kind of bracket of, of club. You know, he's a safe pair of hands he, for a team that is, wants to be mid-table. Is, but I, I'm not a fan of the appointment personally. Um, he's the way uh, his tenure with England ended was nothing short of abysmal. It was embarrassing, and um, you know, at, at, at Roy's age now, does he does he really need this? And do Palace really? It's a short term fix at best. It's another one. It's what they did with Sam Allardyce last year, although they've given him a two year contract. Um, I personally think they could have been a little bit more ambitious. Uh, they tried ambition, though, didn't they? they in the did. with Frank De Boer. They did. And, and uh, just as, a, as an aside, I, I wouldn't be sacking Frank De Boer personally after four games. I think. I think it's, you know, I, I know it's the, it's the world in which we live now, but I think well, a lot of things. A lot of things have come out in the last few days that supposedly there's a bit of a mutiny among certain members of the playing staff. Apparently, Dougie Friedman, who's now their sporting director, yeah, yeah. wasn't taken with De Boer the first time he met him um, because uh, De Boer was hired before Friedman. Um, so. I think there's a lot of factors that, away from the actual pitch, have cost Frank de Boer's job. I, I mean, I, from a personal perspective, I don't think Frank de Boer was given enough of a chance to install his philosophy. Because I don't when, think when he played there, that bad either. But, but when he got there, they should have won that game at Burnley comfortably. Yeah. They had so many chances. But I say when de Boer got there, pre-season was set. He couldn't adjust the pre-season schedule. He's basically had to. They really took their time over that appointment. It's cost them. Yeah, yeah, and it, listen, if he's going to come in with this new philosophy, they have to give him the whole summer. They have to give him 10 games minimum of the Premier League season to see if it's going to work. And, um, but then after 10 games, if they've only got two points, yeah. then they're down. They're as good as down. It, you know. it shows how brutal Premier League football is and how significant the money is because teams just can't afford to get relegated. Exactly. And, and that's what Steve Parrish is thinking already. And um, it's worrying that after just four games that teams are thinking... Oh my God, we we could be relegated. Um, I suppose doing it now gives them the best possible chance of salvaging the season. That we can still be the mid-table side we want to be. We've only given away four games. Yeah, uh, Palace uh, five to four uh, with Ladbrokes uh, to be relegated uh, from the Premier League. Uh, just quick one-word answer: Will Roy Hodgson turn it around? Will Palace stay in the Premier League? Yes. Yeah, I agree. I, I think yes as well. Um, two other teams that are in the relegation. Unless they have to play Iceland, <laughs> in which case could be a problem. You better get that pre-prepared statement out again. <laughs> um, two other teams that are um, right in the relegation mix uh, face off uh, this weekend. Uh, Brighton are second favourites to be relegated at eleven to eight alongside Huddersfield 
after that, it's Bournemouth at 13 to 8. It's Bournemouth against Brighton on Friday night. Um, yes, Brighton have a win to the name, but is this a relegation six pointer already? It's must win for both, surely. I think it's getting very much to the point where it's must win for Bournemouth. Yeah, they have been terrible to start the season. Um, you know, Eddie Howe has had a lot of praise and a lot of credit. This is the first real test since he's been back there. Things are not going well for them at the moment. And he spent a lot of money in the summer, you know, spent ten million on Begovic, twenty million on Nathan Ake to play at the back. He's changed to a three at the back last week and big money on Defoe as well. Yeah. Defoe, yeah. big wages. Changed to three at the back last week with Mings, Ake and Cook. And yeah, they didn't really appear to know what they were doing at Arsenal. Um you know, are they have they peaked and now it's going to be a big season of struggle? We mentioned obviously philosophies with Frank de Boer and Palace. Is is there a chance that Bournemouth, Bournemouth board might get twitchy and think this passing game now isn't working? We need to go back to a bit more of an agricultural approach. And could Eddie Howell's position be at risk? No, I don't think. I don't think so. I don't. I don't think he'll be at risk. Not after what he's done and the way he's guided them through the leagues and up there I agree with that but by the same token uh, if Claudio Ranieri can get sacked after winning the Premier League with a 5,000 to 1 shot then anything is possible I, I don't think he'll be sacked but I can't be surprised by anything anymore yeah I mean I, I've got this thought in my mind of come November time Bournemouth are bottom the 7 points off survival and uh, Big Sam gets the call or <laughs> something like that I mean it's not it's not what Bournemouth fans want to see because they play a real attractive brand of football. It would be disappointing to they do, but to lose defensively that. they've never really convinced at all since getting promoted. And when the goals dry up, that's the problem, which exactly. has happened so far this season. They need to start scoring goals. Uh, will Bournemouth get the first three points uh, against Brighton this weekend at home? Um, I would say yes. Yeah. I think they'll nick it. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, bookmakers torn uh, 23-20 uh, for Bournemouth 12-5 uh, uh, for Brighton uh, on the victory from from Ladbrokes um, with that one uh, another team uh, will breeze over quickly in the relegation mixes Huddersfield they host Leicester um, they were disappointing against West Ham on Monday uh, given the start to the season but um, you know is this now um, a big a big game for Huddersfield to, to prove their worth again well home games are going to decide their fate this season, aren't they? Um, how they, how many points they take at home is going to be critical. Uh, Leicester have had a really tough start, which Jamie Vardy alluded to after the game against Chelsea last week. He said they've played, he said that he was more than happy with the performances they've put in, but they've only got three points to show for it. He thinks they will come good and they will be very much hitting around seventh, eighth, ninth in the Premier League this season. Um, and I'd go along with that. So I think this is a difficult game for David Wagner. Uh, other fixtures uh, this weekend. Uh, West Brom take on West Ham. Uh, Liverpool, who obviously we've already talked about earlier, um, face Burnley. Um, Big blow for Burnley today, Tom Heaton. Out yeah. for four months possibly after having surgery on his shoulder. Oh, and as I say, quite an inexperienced deputy in Nick Pope exactly. as well. Um, so that's... Uh, and Heaton was excellent last season. Um, so that for me puts them right amongst the relegation candidates again Absolutely. despite the goals of Chris Wood and 
winning last week against Crystal Palace. Um, Watford take on Manchester City. Um, just quick, quickly on Watford. Watford have been one of the most uh, impressive teams um, so far. Is this the day they get found out? Uh, maybe a little bit. I think we said last week that you, you, they went to Southampton and we looked at the odds and Southampton yeah. were eight to thirteen yeah. and we were very Watford much ag- we were very much <laughs> against that. Um, I think Watford are kind of the big fluctuation this season. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know about I don't. I think they'll lose the game against Manchester. City. I don't know about. I think, fa- they'll, I think they'll cause see problems. Yeah, I don't know about found out. I don't. You know, I think I think they're I think they're a decent side. Watford. They've, got, got, they've recruited very well. The, and they've got an excellent manager. I think I think they are your stick on mid table team this year. I don't see them struggling. It's interesting when you're looking through the relegation odds. Um, the ones I've scribbled down um, from my books, I didn't even get as far down to Watford. No. Uh, people are pretty confident they're going to maintain their. their go I think they've got goals in the side, and I don't think they're that bad defensively, as shown last week. Um, and he's got he's put together a very tidy, powerful midfield. Um, Chalibur looks excellent playing regularly he's really coming on will he be on the plane do you think I think he probably will be at this stage I think if he's playing every week yeah. and he doesn't pick up an injury yes I think he will go stuff. Um, elsewhere uh, Newcastle take on Stoke um, rejuvenated Newcastle um, who have you know the top half now uh, two wins to the name um, really good win at Swansea really really good win I mean I I didn't think they'd get it. Yeah, one I didn't see coming. Um, sure, but they kind of knuckled down during the first half and really dug in while Swansea had more of the ball. But it was always Newcastle who carried that extra threat. I thought, and Lascelles header from a set piece towered above everyone in that penalty area. Great header. Uh, final game uh, of the Premier League uh, that we haven't mentioned so far: Tottenham against Swansea, which takes place on Saturday evening. Um, more goals for Harry Kane. Yeah, I mean, are Swansea going to improve? I mean, Renato Sanchez. I mean, it was looked like a bit of a car crash of a <laughs> uh, a, a, a debut last week, given the uh, the hype surrounding him. Do we expect Swansea to get better? I when think I think they will get better, but I think I think they're certainly going to have a scrap on hands. Um, you know, I see them being in, in the mix and um, on Renato Sanchez. Fully expect him to improve. You know, we got we got to um, got to remember he's still a very very young player. First game in uh, in the league, like the Premier League, with with, with his pace and his power and all, all that kind of things, and um, you know I'm sure he will be a very exciting player for Swansea this year. I think the thing with him is it's very much a, a mental battle. He was trying so hard to impress. Yeah. It looks like, and when when that moment came that he misplaced a pass, and then he misplaced another, you can see it gets to him and it builds. I think that's something he needs to learn to relax and just play his natural game. Um, Swansea have. As we've said before, Fernando Llorente's gone, Sigurdsson's gone. It's a lot of goals from last season they've got to replace. Can they replace it? And Wilfred Bonny, I think he's a lot of pressure on his shoulders. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Swansea actually uh, are the longest odds to pick up a win this uh, this weekend, fourteen to one, with Ladbrokes uh, to win at Wembley uh, against Tottenham. Um, fourteen, that's. Maybe a bit too big, isn't it? Uh, are are Tottenham I'd go along fourteen with that. to I one think, better? I think so. Especially the, the way the way Spurs played against Dortmund, I think they've kind of got that monkey off the back now, in terms of the pressure of, of playing at Wembley. Yeah. And um, yeah, I fully expect. I agree to, with that. To Kane's win. got four goals in two games. Win the game Ericsson is playing some absolute blinding stuff. Deli Ali had a rest in midweek, yeah. being suspended. So 
and Son. Brilliant goal, brilliant performance from him. They have got goals in that side. Um, Spurs are winning that comfortably, I think. Themselves, I think. Yeah. yeah. Right, brilliant. Uh, that's the Premier League roundoff. Uh, just quickly, while we have got two Championship football fans uh, with us, Alex is a supporter of Wolverhampton Wanderers, uh, James of Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, little chat about the Championship because, I mean, both teams are. Uh, I mean, it could be you two going up automatically. Well, Maybe couldn't it? Leeds United absolutely flying yeah. at the moment. Um, Fourteen goals scored, two conceded. Made light work of Burton last weekend and then beat Birmingham 2 0 in midweek when, by all accounts, they weren't at their best, but they ground it out and won. Um, they're at Millwall this weekend. Yeah, that's a tasty looking fixture, isn't it? Yeah. I, I think um, Leeds, you know, they've hit the ground running and I think they were a bit of an unknown at the start of the season, quite a bit of upheaval. Gary Monk leaving and also then Chris Wood joining Burnley, but I think um, we didn't really know too much about uh, Thomas Christensen and He's come in and, and so far done a magnificent They're job. They're playing some really decent stuff. They are, the, the, yeah. Lasaga's big, powerful centre forward. In front of big crowds yeah. at Ellen Road as well. They're getting 32,000, 33,000 week yeah. in, week out. I think there's a, a real feel-good factor back at Leeds, which uh, isn't easy for me to say, but yeah. there you go. A couple of bad results might, might rock the boat a little bit, but if they keep winning, it's only going to go one way. Yeah. So uh, Obviously, the other teams in and around the mix are Cardiff, Middlesbrough. Um, Cardiff suffered a, a really bad result at Preston in midweek lost 3-0 and they've got an incredibly tough game this weekend as well where's that a day host uh, Sheffield Wednesday ah, <laughs> <I think>. ah. <laughs> well did um, did wonder where you were going with that yeah. um, I mean if you could pick any two teams from the championship right now to be your two which are going up automatically uh, who, who would you pick oh, it's ice it's it, it's impossible it's so wide open it could literally be any two of 10 or 12 teams I think uh, I think Middlesbrough are one I would I would pick. Yeah, I would, I would have gone one. with that at the start of the season, but I mean they haven't pulled up too many trees. Got a good point in midweek at Villa, having gone down to ten men. They were very the, lucky at Villa. Very. Yeah, some I mean, of, some I, of I the seen, um, chances. Conor Hurahan's shot being cleared off the line by his own man, <laughs> which was quite humorous. But yeah, I mean it is so wide open. Will I? I don't expect Leeds to probably carry on in the same vein they are at the minute in terms of I think they've won all the games yeah. bar one which they drew I think the Leeds, they will hit a blip it but still needs to settle down yeah absolutely you know, ask you again after 10-12 games ok well in, uh, in a few weeks time uh, we will ask that question again and see whether we can get a more definitive answer that will be all for this week's podcast uh, we will be back next week the three of us previewing another Premier League at weekend and looking back at all the action so uh, until then enjoy the weekend's action Thank you.